0: For another episode of the Published Pro Profit podcast, I have uh, Chris Rudin here with me today. I think you're going to love him. What an amazing, uh, inspirational story. Chris was seen on uh, The Rock's TV show Titan Games, which, obviously, how cool is that? Who doesn't know and love The Rock? Chris is an amputee keynote speaker, best selling author of The Upper Hand, leveraging limitations to turn adversity into advantage, disabled pro athlete, adaptive model who uses disability as a way to inspire people to turn their adversity into advantage uh chris i love that and uh really excited to have you on the show today my friend
1: i appreciate you having me on honestly it's uh just being able to do this and listening to you say those things i'm like is he describing me? Yeah, but know, it's right? crazy how the years of work kind of stack up. You know,
0: I love that. I love that. Now, you know, there is a lot to cover, uh, or at least there is a lot on my mind. And um, you know, I think probably most people, after hearing that that bio and and even seeing the the title of your book, they may have in their mind what they kind of uh, envision. You know, turning uh, adversity into advantage means, but you know, those are words and it's difficult right it's difficult to do anything to create an advantage let alone to turn adversity into an advantage talk to me a little bit about that idea and how much like as a you know as a topic that means to you and and you see it meaning to other people
1: Absolutely. So I was born with a physical disability. I was born with two fingers on my left hand and a shorter left arm. And I actually hid my disability for 17 years wow. up until a few years ago. You know, I had a, a glove on my residual limb and I didn't get this until a few years ago. So for 17 years or pretty much my whole life, I felt like I was broken. Mm-hmm. You know, I felt like these synonyms of disability, weak, broken, useless, helpless, like any of these things, I just felt. Because of the way I was born, something I never asked for, I was less than, you know? So I felt I lived with adversity. And then I lived with it so much that I accepted it. And when we start accepting it, it starts becoming our identity. And not because adversity did this, but because we allowed it to. So when I speak on the concept of turning adversity into advantage, adversity has a negative connotation, but it doesn't need to. Adversity is just our perception of what's difficult. How do I know this? I'll ask you this. I'll ask you right now. What are some emotions that come about with a flat tire? What do you feel? Uh, anger. <laughs> Dis- yes. So, disappointment. Let's, let's go with that. I'm going to say you're actually lying. And here's why. When you pass someone on the road with a flat tire, do you feel Uh, anger? Oh, no, no, no. No, so it's only when it happens to us. (laughs) So it's not the adversity itself, but it's the fact that it's happening to us. Uh So if we have the ability to change our perspective around, maybe if we look at it from a different perspective, we can turn adversity, which is negative, into advantage which is positive. But negatives and positives only exist with the way we tell ourselves the story. So I just decided at a certain point, 17 years later, to change the narrative.
0: Wow. And so, well, 17 years later, so, I mean, you're talking about going through childhood, going through adolescence, going through, you know, your teenage years. In one sense, this is a topic for everybody. It it doesn't matter if you have a physical limitation or not because, you know, I mean, people grow up through all kinds of abusive situations, difficulties, divorce, death, all these things. Life itself is suffering in one sense, even though there are so many wonderful and beautiful, incredible things. How do you just decide to say, "Okay, th- I'm going to make this an advantage"? Was it? Did you get pissed off one day, or you know what? What are the motions that led up to that? You, and, I, and I'm going somewhere because I, you know, there I are people it. that are thinking about their own oh, thing, I love and it. they're like, "Yeah, I, I mean, love where it. does
1: it? Where does it start?" You said a, a word suffering and yeah. it's probably blurred out, but that saying in the background is we often suffer in our imagination more than we do a reality. Mm. Um, suffering is often, you know, worrying in advance, you know, or suffering right. in advance of things that haven't happened. I went through frustration, pain, anger, uh, sadness, depression, really dark things, you know, and, uh, and then it just became numb. Yeah. And, I wish there was this one Disney moment that was just like, boom, I made it. I have people ask like, how did you beat adversity? I'm like, <laughs> I'm still waiting I'm still waiting for that moment. Right. It's not there's no finish line for mental health. There's no finish line for success. Yeah. It's it's the process and I know it sounds kind of cliche but there is no end destination, you know, right. when it comes to quality of life. So there were little moments, you know, I'll never forget. I started building my speaking business. I'm a professional speaker. That's what I do full time. Right. Also social media, I guess influencer, I just hate that word, but I was speaking and I was still hiding my disability huh. and I'll never forget. I was speaking at this event, like 2000 people and I'm walking down this long hallway. There's this little girl who had watched me speak. These people like came to see me speak and uh, I was still hiding my hand and she grabbed my, my hand that I was hiding and I was mortified. I'm just like, wow. and she looked at me and she was like swinging my hand and she's like, it's okay. You don't have to hide around me. Whoa. And I was like, this is why you were a speaker. This is why I was a speaker. And still, this was a few years ago before I started like being open about my disability. I was like, damn, 2000 people are here to see me speak. But this little girl is the only person that actually sees me, Hmm. you know? Yeah. And I was like, man, and if she could accept me, like, why can't I accept me? Like, maybe acceptance is not an external thing. Maybe it's an internal thing. So when I started like taking, I took my glove off. I posted a YouTube video of like this coming out moment for me personally, you know, and anyone watching, like we all have some sort of glove. I wore a glove. Maybe you wear a mask. Maybe it's makeup. Maybe it's something you hide about your physicality or your past or traumas that you've had or anything, your business, maybe your business failed. I've had more businesses fail than I can imagine. (laughs) it's something we all kind of have that thing we sweep under the rug. Yeah. You know. And when I stopped hiding I just like started living and I did a funny talk at uh Saint Louis University and I titled it turning health issues into wealth issues. Okay. And talking about, you know, yeah, I have an autoimmune disease and I have a disability But I also have an ability to build value and impact, which turns into business, which turns into profit. You know, so ideas are valuable. Perspectives are valuable. And I'll be honest, no one cares about my story. They care about what my story does for them, just like a book, like an author. 100%. It's not about your story. It's about the message. And your story is a vessel for the message. So I vow to be the person I never had growing up. And that's why I package my experiences into conceptual ideas that benefit other people
0: love it now you um as a primarily a primary speaker as far as your business goes, it must mean that you're on the road a lot. You're traveling, going place to place. You know, I obviously, most of my clients, all my clients are authors, and most of them are speakers. And so I I always shudder to think about, you know, I, I love my dogs. I love my house. I love my bed. You know, I love my view. And so the idea of, of all of that travel, um, even just thinking about it, like, wears on me. Have you... Either a you super love it and are energized by the crowd, which I sense that there's a there's a part of it, or b have you have you thought about like, you know, um, doing other things with your, you know, your influence with your abilities, coaching, you know, maybe large groups, things of that nature as far as your, you know, as far as your your magic, your
1: so I do. I do a few things. I, I always wanted to be like my dream job, that secret question, put dream job as motivational speaker. I didn't really no know kidding. at the time what that meant, you was know. that high school? Uh, that was like high school, yeah. Wow. And I I didn't think that was like a real thing, you know. Like I got my degree in exercise science and that's it was cool, but my true passion is speaking. I wanna speak for the rest of my life. Yeah. Whether it's on stages or virtual, virtual events have really opened up the door to be home and do those things. And coaching, consulting is a part of my business. Now being a published author, that's a whole new avenue. So everything kind of stemmed from speaking, but I truly do love speaking. And my ultimate goal is to create a speaker mentorship to help people communicate more effectively to become leaders in those communities that I can't reach.
0: Love it. That's great. See, that opens up my mind a little bit more. I mean, I think about like Michael and Amy Port are good friends of mine. I love
1: them. Love yeah, them.
0: They're fantastic. And of course, Michael, you know, in in some ways took like some failures and turn them into amazing things of course he's a new york times best-selling author and you know book yourself solid was kind of his his breakthrough but now he runs heroic public speaking which is one of the biggest speaker you know training institutes around so is that kind of your vision is is having something like that and teach people to really share their their magic with the world
1: That's truly what I want to do. So almost like the art of charisma and understanding how to communicate in a way that people listen. Yeah. Because ideas are only effective if you get people to listen. You can't sell an empty seat. You can't fill an empty mind or a mind that's not willing to listen. So I want to help people, especially people in either underserved communities or people with disabilities or adversity, turn adversity into advantage for their communities.
0: Yeah. Love it. Tell me, is there, you know, everybody has like their secret. Sauce, if you will. And, you know, we try to, in a book, we try to convey that in units or steps or milestones or whatever. Is there a way that you can convey somebody that is feeling discouraged because of their limitations because of adversity whether emotional stuff you know physical stuff disease difficulty how do they begin what are the steps or milestones that you might take someone like that through to create their own advantage from the adversity
1: Uh, you have to start with this you know if you are practicing tennis for 10 years and then you immediately try out for the nfl you're not going to be the best at it. You're going to be really good at what you practice and really bad at what you don't. And a lot of people subconsciously practice not only negativity, but self-sabotage. So the first step is being aware of what you do, being mindful of what you do. So in my book, I have this 3C challenge, you know, catch, challenge, change, and really catching the feeling that even exists, challenging it to say, am I a loser? Do I really suck? Is this really not going to work? Or is this just like a negative feedback loop trying to protect myself from potential pain of loss mm. and change it. Like, okay, I appreciate you mind for trying to like protect me, but I don't mm. need that protection because I'm, I'm willing to go out there and give this value. So it does take a little bit of awareness and mindfulness because we often get on autopilot and self-sabotage. Yeah. We get on autopilot and the way we react instead of choosing our response, and there's a big difference. So anyone struggling with adversity or hardship, you have to truly ask yourself, Is it the hardship that's the hard part, or is it the story you tell yourself about the hardship? Right. Is the way you're talking about yourself, about your struggles, the same way you would talk to someone you love about their struggles? Of course not. Probably not. Yeah. Probably not.
0: So catch, challenge, change. Catch is the idea of of catching the feeling or the emotion or the thought that is negative and driving you down is that is that kind?
1: yeah so I'll do, I'll do I'll actually show you what I went through tell me uh, when I first decided to become a speaker I wasn't charging any money and I did probably 20 events for free and uh, I was like uh, I don't know if I can I don't know if I'm worth the money boom catch uh-huh. am I not worth the money or I just have I not asked for money yet can I ask for money yes. yes if they say no will I be destroyed no does someone not recognizing my value decrease my value no So why don't you just do it, change it. Let's try asking for money. Okay. I got my first $3,000 gig. Yeah. You know? And then when you go from, you know, a four figure to a five figure, 30 minute talk virtually, you're like, dude, I used to get in trouble in school for speaking and now I get paid for it. Like, how is this working? You know, but that growth comes from being aware. And my book is not about communication. My book is about self-communication. It's not about getting the upper hand over anyone else. It's about getting the upper hand over yourself. Because how can you expect for other people to communicate with you effectively if you can't communicate with you effectively?
0: Right. Yeah. Love it, Chris. Let's change gears just a little and talk about the business and talk about the book if we could. You know, you're speaking to I don't know thousands, tens of thousands of people, so you're making a great impact doing that. You wanted to obviously put something in their hands, whether it's people that could come to your engagements or not. You, you wanted to spread your message more, so you wrote your book, The Upper Hand, and that it, the book is doing well, and you know people are enjoying it. But you also wrote the book for yourself. And because you wanted it to do something for you, for your message, for your business, et cetera. Talk to me a little bit about that. Like, what was your vision? How did you want to use the book? And then maybe even tell me, you know, how is it working for you thus far?
1: Yeah. So my ultimate goal, like I always wanted to speak and I started speaking, built my business over years. And I'm like, man, this is awesome. And then I met a few other speakers and they're doing so many other things like consulting, coaching, having a book. And I'm like, oh, why am I not doing that? You know, like why? I almost feel like I was being selfish and maintaining the value that I had only for stages when I could also add value in different ways. And as a business person, I needed to make income from different streams. Anyone who works for themselves understands that you're not just going to get all your stuff from from one thing, maybe a majority, but you're leaving a lot on the table and you're leaving a lot of value off other people's tables by not doing those things. Right. So I'm one of those few or less common people who want to speak primarily, but as an author, as a secondary. So so I do now add books to talks and stuff like that to, to sell more books, uh, but it's a secondary thing. Yeah, And to be able to utilize the social media following that I was fortunate enough to build Now I have people sharing my book, sharing the picture of the cover or sharing parts of the book and uh, sharing quotes and and becomes more viral. And that virality adds to PR and PR adds to more booking more booking adds to more exposure. And it's just a cycle. And I just I kind of made that cycle more effective.
0: Yeah, I love that. I talked to a lot of authors that in many cases uh, decided to write their book because they were losing speaking opportunities to speakers that had books. And so in some, I know on some stages and in some places, the book is kind of the necessary next step
1: to get. So I do. That's kind of, it's funny that you say that that's kind of the dirty, uh, parts of the industry is like, you do kind of need those fluff areas, you know, uh, PR for me, you know, being featured a two page spread in people magazine does a lot doing a TV show with the rock does a lot. Like that definitely helps. Now that's not going to say if you don't do that, you'll never be successful, But in some areas that I dropped the ball, other areas I picked up, that's like anyone in business. We have our specialties. PR happens to be one of mine that really helped me using the book, speaking and all that. But this is a necessary step as a professional speaker. You do want a book. You do want PR. You want those big names to refer you and recommend you. You kind of have to check the boxes to play the game. You do.
0: Yeah, I I describe it. I call it the um, hierarchy of desire. The book is kind of the, the foundational piece, and as you go up the, the hierarchy, the more desirable you are, the, the more your ideal client, your stage that you want to get, which is a person that's booking that stage, right? It's not done magically or by machines. Yeah. It's it's a person that you have to impress. And so when you have the foundation of your book, and then you build on that foundation, real media like television, like Titan Games, magazines, like People Magazine, you know, like these kinds of things just add to your credibility and desirability. And Definitely. so, you know, now more and more people want you. Media loves media, right? I mean, you know, it's like, wow, you
1: were on yeah, that. Yeah. Well, you got to be yeah. on this. You know? It's competitive. And that's yeah. really what it is. So as a speaker, you know, I kind of help some people. How have you developed authority? how have you developed credibility yeah uh, is your message you know something that you spent time on you know it's kind of a funny saying but it's true you can't polish a turd yeah. <laughs> you know i, yeah. I tell people yeah. like if your message <laughs> core message i don't care how much pr you have i don't care how good you know your cover is on your book have a core message right and it's not about being better than other authors it's about being authentic to you the message and problem you're trying to solve most people have a hard time identifying the problem they're trying to solve, yeah. and if you don't have clarity in your message as an author, as a speaker, as anyone in business, you're going to really struggle to keep it together. Yeah,
0: yeah, totally agree. Tell me what are you working on now, and I mean that a couple of different ways. I mean that from a business perspective, but I mean that from a personal perspective. Like, like I loved what you shared about the little girl. Mm-hmm. You know that shows like even while you're the speaker you know, you, you still have a place to get to, right? You still are, Ooh, yeah. are changing and working on yourself. So what's kind of next for you or what's the stuff you're working on both for yourself as well as your business or goals, etc.?
1: So for me, professionally, I'm definitely working on the back end of building that speaker mentorship uh, in terms of perfecting yeah. your crafting your message and learning the business side of things. Yeah. Uh, Working on another book already, which is going to be more of a short form book before I go to uh, a longer form book again. Yeah. And uh, honestly, I love speaking. So just building myself in my consulting business and slowly branching out into other things like change management and diversity and inclusion. Yeah. Um, I have other businesses like a protein bar business and some other things in the fitness industry. Yeah. So... I'm just building my as a brand and I love it. Every day I get to add value in one facet of life that adds to my passion and purpose. So I I just want to keep doing that. And I feel like I'm doing that. You know, personally, I always want to break through those barriers of the perfectionism thing is still something I battle. I almost didn't put the book out because I didn't think it was good enough. Nice. And the gatekeeper of not being good enough is me, you know, has nothing to do with anyone else. So, there's little little battles all the time mental health things like that are never just like oh i made it i'm here you know we're good now there's always going to be doubt and doubt is a good thing because it's a, a cautionary tale from your brain like hey make sure you you know dot your i's cross your t's but it's when we give in to doubt that that becomes a problem so that's a constant i don't want to say battle because it's not a, a negative thing you know it's a, it's a constant work in progress
0: yeah Yeah, I love that. You know, it's interesting when you think about very successful people that ended badly, like a Robin Williams. Yeah. Um, You know, sometimes the more successful you get, the more you can isolate yourself and not realizing that you still have to, you change the word battle to whatever, improve, et cetera. It's still a challenge that you have to face. Uh, no matter how successful you are, I mean, you're speaking in front of tens of thousands of people, but then you've got to go be with yourself, right? Definitely,
1: and that's that can be the hardest thing for a lot yeah. of people. And I'll challenge you. I don't care if you're making you know five thousand a month or fifty thousand a month or five hundred thousand a month. If you are not happy with who you see in the mirror, what yeah. you're doing, you're not proud of your work. You're not successful. Yeah, you have money, but you're not successful.
0: I agree. I agree. And there's a lot more to uh, life than just money, right? There's there the is, and mo- money. Don't get me wrong.
1: Money is very important. Oh yeah. We yeah, all, yeah. we <laughs> all want it. We all want it. You know, uh, I think I, I forgot who said, it. I think it was Jim Rohn. He's like, money's not everything, but uh, when you don't have it, it seems like it is, you know? So <laughs> yeah. it's important, but other things are important too. And sure. we, we tend to fixate on one thing. Like yeah. I have to be this, or I have to have money, or I have to have a book, yeah. or I, I have to make, make a bestseller. Like, there are multiple like facets to life, and why can't you do each of those things in due time? As yeah. long as you're putting the work and you know you're growing and progressing and helping people around you, uh, isn't that success, you know?
0: Yeah, I would hope so. I would certainly hope so. Chris, love talking to you, my friend. Tell us uh, where can, obviously, people can go to Amazon to buy your book, The Upper Hand, but give us a website and social media stuff so you know people can know how to connect with you if they want to book you for speaking, et cetera.
1: Absolutely. Uh, My name is Chris Rudin. Uh, My website is chrisrudin.com. All my social medias are just at Chris Rudin. And for fellow authors, if you ever have questions or anything like that, feel free to pick my brain. Uh, Just shoot me a DM on Instagram or send me an email and I'd be glad to respond.
0: Love it. Love it. Well, thank you. Well, I'm going to follow you on Instagram right away, as well as the rest of the social media stuff. And uh, love your story. I love what you're doing, Chris. I'm really, really encouraged by the things that you share today. And I'm, I'm sure the uh, authors listening today will will be as well. So brother, thank you for being here with us today.
1: I appreciate you, man. Thank you.